Hello and welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm your host today, Austin Williams. We have a really special treat today. Um, we have the new album that has been released by Sandbox Percussion, featuring all works by Matt McBain. The name of this album is Bathymetry, and I'm not going to spoil it for you because I also didn't know what it was. Uh, and if you do, good for you. Uh, but we do talk about it in the interview. 
Uh, that first piece we listened to was the first track off of the album, actually, called Proximity. Um, before I get rambling on too much, I'm just going to jump to the interview here and let them talk more about the process of making this album with um, themselves and the composer, Matt McBain. Enjoy. Uh, first of all, I just want to congratulate you guys on this album. It sounds phenomenal um and it's truly like it's really unique um and i you know it's always great to hear like brand new things thank you yeah absolutely my i think it's the biggest question and it's like always when you're working with like acoustic instruments and electronic instruments like the process of finding like the sounds that work within the different instruments of the percussion family specifically, because they are so vast. And so is the world of like electronic sounds. Like what was that process like? And what was, you know, um, between the composer and the performer and I guess composer performer in this instance. It's a great question. I'm pulling up the score because there are some movements in particular where yeah, it's like, we really <laughs> were like slaving. And so obviously credit goes to, Matt McBain, you know, the, the, it all happened in his head first, which always kind of blows my mind. Yeah. It's like, oh, like what is going on up there mm-hmm. and, and, you know, how do you get it from, from there to the page? Um, but one movement in particular, I was thinking of, I think it's called further down Vic, right? Where you and I both have those setups of like seven objects and he That's says right. wood blocks, glass bottles, metal sounds, I just want seven of them low to high. We would be in the studio with him. And I mean, the studio, yeah, it was yeah. like partially COVID times at, at that moment. So we were just kind of in our rehearsal space in this little ISO booth. Sure. And just throwing together, we have these whole like bins full of random objects, glass cool. bottles, cowbells, like metal baking sheets that have been beaten up and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we would play these 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 rhythms that he wrote, and then he'd be like, "Oh, okay, let's sub out the glass bottle for a wood block." And okay. okay, and and it's all unison between Victor and myself. Okay. And so with each of these sounds, you're getting kind of a composite, yeah, uh, of like cowbell plus glass bottle, mm-hmm. and that like hopefully melds together to create cow bottle or whatever it yeah. is. Um. <laughs> you're, you're like slowly piecing together this Frankenstein instrument kind of, uh, yeah. I mean that it seemed so deliberate in the sounds and the materials that were used for each movement. So it, it like in my head, I was like, they had to spend like a ton of time just like choosing, you know, how we're going to produce these sounds. That was the, really the art of it Yeah, was, yeah. Picking the sounds and, and Matt was very, I mean, crucial to that process. He was there the whole time listening and making tweaks. The other one I'm thinking of, Vic, is I think the very first movement, proximity, is that the one where you have that little gesture? Yeah, this little... Yeah, exactly, yeah. You should talk about that. I I was just in the studio listening (laughs) to you re-record it like 30 times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's kind (laughs) of... It's funny, yeah. I mean, it's so true. You know, Matt was such a an integral part of the of the recording process in, in terms of, um, obviously the music that we were playing, but like the instruments we were playing them on, and like creating this counterpoint between multiple instruments. Yeah. And this particularly this one lick proximity. I think it's like, just like two beats of sixteenth notes or something like that. Okay. Eight notes long. Split up across different um sort of random percussion handheld small percussion instruments but but kind of not really set what they were Mm. so i think matt and i must have spent like two hours just on this one little chunk of music where he was like oh let's switch this instrument in this instrument yeah uh let's try this instrument instead of this one Mm -hmm. uh let's uh now play that one but play it a little bit softer okay let's try it and let's add like a piece of tape over top of it and like yeah yeah. so like matt has this incredibly like zoomed in hyper focused uh ear for for sound and and for i think um non-pitched counterpoint i suppose in a way with with some of these gestures so yeah, I think I re-recorded that that lick many many times with many different uh, combinations of instruments. But, but now it's like my favorite moment 
maybe on the whole album, like I hear that little 10 note long phrase. And I'm like, oh yeah, it, it was worth it. Like, <laughs> yeah, they got for it sure. Right. <laughs> uh, and that's, I mean, that's uh, talking about just like the intersection of like percussion music and like um, uh, electronic music. I think that there's also this element of randomness a lot of times that you can throw into electronic music. But I think that that was also incorporated back into the acoustic side of things. And as you're saying, like just the, it's not random, it's delivered, but you're, you're swapping things out to get a specific sound. But also, you do have elements of like um, I think it's in uh, quiver with the um, uh, ping pong balls, um, and that's that's such a great, lovely moment of just like random energy that kind of like gets thrown in there. Absolutely, totally. yeah. And that's I mean, you're right because there's something like even though the sounds you're hearing, some of them are these kind of acoustic recorded sounds, and some of them are electronic. It's like he finds this way of like I feel like his Matt's electric sounds have this very living quality to them. Mm-hmm. Like something more than it's not just like a sine wave or something. It's right. like it has a certain flowing energy to it that I think really helps that merge a little bit more with the acoustic sounds. And then our acoustic sounds are like so precise and uh, uh, yeah, yeah yeah like sharp and articulate that they almost sound like the electronic thing and so there's there is this cool intermingling can be tricky but i think it's really successful here i i think on that same movement quiver the um the constant rhythm on the i forgot the 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 beads um we yeah yeah. we uh end up playing yeah the kibasas yeah 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 like that if i hadn't seen the video i probably would have assumed that was actually like an electronic part just because of how like you know sharp it is and articulate um also like congrats on the miking of it because that like <laughs> the like the the production of getting that sound like it just like caught my ear right away yeah that's awesome yeah. the the engineers and stuff
I didn't know what uh, bath uh, symmetry was uh, before I, you know, started listening. But then I started like learning and reading more about. It. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like how they're formed on stage kind of also tells the story of that. Yeah, these yeah mirrored setups and mm-hmm. things like that. And I didn't know the term either. I guess yeah, it's, it's like the what mapping of the bottom of the ocean and stuff like that. And yeah, uh, and it, it's like how it was being described as like how it like influences like the breaks of waves and like different parts mm-hmm. of that, which is you know um, can totally be interpreted in like a, a musical way, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Matt, I think he's an avid surfer, right, Vic? He is. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And has been really interested in kind of the topography of the ocean floor and just the movement of water in general, I think, since he was a kid. Because I, I think a lot of the him growing up in Southern California and surfing a lot and these sorts sure. of things. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It comes across like these really like low overarching synth sounds and, you know, all these other things on top of it. But it, it feels like the bottom of the floor, basically. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did that... Yeah, some moments have this, like... Sorry, sorry, go on. Yeah. No, I was just saying, did that, like, topic come up a lot in the creation of it? Or is Matt more like, this is my idea, but, like, now let's get into, like, the kind of the nitty-gritty of it? Maybe more the latter, actually. I yeah. think Matt came with a pretty clear idea of what he was trying to capture. Mm-hmm. And we worked a lot in the studio, I think, how to capture that. Sure not really so much like what it was going to be, but like sort of how to, to capture what we were thinking. And I think that, you know, really relied on his kind of guidance aesthetically to be able to come up with kind of like what instruments were going to be right at certain times, you know, how to play those instruments or how to get the right sounds out of those instruments. Yeah. Um, you know, we obviously had a lot of input on those areas, but I think he had a lot of input on kind of like what we were trying to capture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's cool that you guys are willing to work with a composer on something like that, though, because, I mean, I, as, as someone who writes and performs, like, I, I kind of loathe the experience of just, like, writing music and handing it off to a performer. And you have, you can workshop it and have, like, interaction, but there's really something mm-hmm. unique about, like, I have this idea and I need help, like, from the performer standpoint and, like, let's have a conversation about it and really make it into something that's, like, special and meaningful to everybody who's involved. Mm-hmm we do a lot of commissioning and working with composers and, you know, they're all different. You know, some people really do, they would rather just write it and give it to you. But, but there is a certain connection that, that we also value from our, our perspective of like getting to be in the room with them while they're also making these discoveries. And, and I don't know, I think it really helps inform the final product for sure. Yeah. Everyone's kind of in dialogue and, and, um, yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of our favorite way to, to go about it if we have the choice. Yeah, for sure. And I know it's like it's very time consuming to do it that way. It's not it's definitely not the most efficient way and it make takes the most amount of time and sometimes it's uh like you're banging your head against a wall, or you're not really getting the results you want. So it's it can be like frustrating, but when it when it works, it's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, were there any uh, like happy accidents or maybe some things that weren't completely planned and then worked out for the better? <clears throat> trying to think if there were any accidents. I feel like um, <laughs> we... Uh, it's interesting because of like the way that we recorded it, which is, I guess, the way that we have recorded more and more things these days, which is really kind of in-house. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of that was probably coming out of the pandemic when we were not, we made the choice to not, you know, obviously be like trekking out to a studio somewhere, or like being in a closed space with some people that we don't know, you yeah. know, or, or these sorts of things. So we like make things in-house sometimes. And sure. I think that, um, you know, we recorded it all in our very industrial studio space in Brooklyn, New York, in like this soundproof room or semi soundproof room that we got randomly like a decade ago, <laughs> uh, which is its own story that we won't, won't, won't tell on another you. podcast. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we like recorded it in this tiny little soundproof room and um, with the, the equipment, the, the microphones that they brought in to record us, I think were really great. The equipment was really great. And like the, the, um, all the people working on it, producing it were really knowledgeable, you know, in terms yeah. of like creating an audio. Um, but I think it was a little bit sort of like fingers crossed, you know, <laughs> like that this sounds good because it's just sort of like recorded in our studio. Sure. Um, and I think that we are pleasantly surprised or not, not surprised, but like very happy about like how it, how it turned out, you know, like the, yeah. the overall yeah. sound that it has. Uh, I was I was reading like part of the description and like the topic of like <laughs> ASMR videos came up and it kind of goes back to what I was saying yeah. earlier about like you know the miking of the kibasas but like were uh, was that a very deliberate decision or was that kind of an afterthought of like oh we're close miking a lot of these things or I don't know if you use like um, contact mics on anything but like getting all these really intricate sounds it's totally ASMR yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. And it's, it's like all these, I mean, I don't know. I actually haven't really gone into this. So I know Matt agrees. Like he loves like that. Get your ear right up next to the yeah. the shaker or whatever it is that, that you have. You just get all this extra texture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was like always the kind of the, the mode of operation is like, how close can we get this microphone to the thing you're doing? Sure. Um, yeah. To really, when you listen to it, I mean, that's one of my favorite things about it is it's kind of an unreal experience. Um, hearing it live is its own way of, you know, it's its own, it's its own cool thing because yeah. it's actually happening. There's that excitement. Um, and I think for a long time, and certainly people still do this, but like, you know, the idea of recording classical music is just trying to represent what a live performance is like. Right. Um, right. But with this, it was like, you know, we could actually do something different and unique and in its own world with the recording. So we really kind of leaned into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's changing a little bit. Um, you know, in my experience, I work for a production company that records a lot of like classical live concerts and we're starting to get more interested in like close miking pianos or what happens if we, you know, put a stereo pair on like, a string player or something like, you know, like all these techniques that you wouldn't otherwise be doing with a performance like that. But it's, it definitely creates a more interesting experience for the listener and it removes it from this like stuffy concert hall setting for sure. Yeah. 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 So much of the album has, has that quality. I, I think especially there's one movement called interlude mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It, it's, it's cool. Cause we're, you know, we have, the premiere of the piece is happening in December. Okay. First time that we play the whole thing live. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that we're sort of trying to figure out how to get it to sound like as great <laughs> as the album sounds because this movement interlude is some of these very, very tiny sounds like yeah. a chopstick falling on uh, top of a table, you know, a very, very small sound when mic'd really well and produced really well on an, on an album it can sound incredible so i think we're trying to figure out how to recreate that live and have it sound just as special yeah i wanted i heard i mean everything on the album's great but i heard the movement interlude and i just wanted i just want a whole like album or ep of stuff like that where it's just like these lovely little sounds like having a conversation like counterpoint with each other 
So uh, primarily, um, I should, I guess, I could know this, but so who is playing vibraphones mostly on the uh, album? Terry, I think it's Terry. all all Terry. Okay, yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Um, it's, him. I just bring it. Up, it's interesting how that's like the you know if there's melodic material, that's what's going on there, and obviously the the synth is, is providing that as well with like counterpoint, but like, um, what. And I guess it'd be nice to <laughs> to have their uh, their interaction or their their take on it. But um, with everything else going on, that was so texturally based, you know. And then just like working with the melody, you know, I was kind of curious how that influenced their interpretation of the music versus like the textural stuff going on. But yeah, it's good. it's interesting because like the vibraphone has, um, you know, there's melody in, in various different forms, mm-hmm. you know, like I think melody in a very sort of non-rhythmic way, mm-hmm. which you might hear um, in a movement like surface. Uh, surface has melody in a very, I mean, possibly there's some sort of like pattern behind the composition, you know, that, that he's giving us. But I think that it's melody in a very, in, at least what it sounds like, a very free way. Sure. You know, sure. so I think the vibraphone has a chance to really be very free and sort of floaty over top of um, the other sort of uh, random sounds that are happening in that movement. And then so they can sort of like exist separately. But then you have melody in one called Groundswell, Mm-hmm. on the vibraphone where it's melody but it's really like actually this long drawn out sort of polyrhythm happening between the right hand and the left hand mm-hmm. in the vibraphone mm-hmm. and you're able mm-hmm. to sort of perceive that as like yeah that's maybe the melody that's happening over top of this like tightly knit drum set part sure um but it's actually like hyper rhythmic and still fits in the grid so i think that like when terry's playing moments like that he's probably trying to be you know a little bit more sort of like locked in rhythmically yeah. with what's happening not thinking so much about like oh i'm free or or in a different time sequence from everybody else like it still kind of needs to line up uh um vertically you know so i think that just thinking about the melody and kind of those two waves was maybe sort of the challenge for for the vibraphone parts yeah and i thought it was like even though the the vibraphone produces a pretty like pure like sine wave more or less um when you strike it and and that would you would think would kind of blend a lot with the the synth going on and there's of course all these different like wavelengths you can use with synthesis but like there there is a very deliberate juxtaposition between the two which i think if you focused on one you heard like the the baseline or whatever then you heard you know the the top part if you focus on the vibraphone um it's kind of but i think there's something to that yeah kind of like what we were saying at the beginning it's like he's trying to or or using almost a more electronic approach to the acoustic instruments and a more acoustic approach to the electronic instruments. Like vibraphone's a good choice in that case. Cause like you said, it's like a very pure, like the sustain of the instrument is about as close to a sine wave as, as you get with a lot of instruments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The variety comes with like that attack, you know, and I think that's how, you know, it's a, a a live performance is these little variations in, just that onset of the note, how articulate is it? How, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. bright or dark. For sure. Uh, Vic, did you have something to say about that? No, I think it's great. I, I think um, the more I, the more I sort of like think about it and reflect on it is it's, it's really cool how, you know, we obviously have this, like we don't in sandbox or, or as percussionists, the four of us, we don't get a lot of chances to work with synthesis so much, yeah. you know, like it's, acoustic like what we do so i think that we are constantly like exploring the different sort of acoustic sounds that any object can create yeah um that's sort of like our mo as percussionists you know like like i wonder how many sounds like this light this lamp can make you know like (laughs) things like that um but like yeah when there's like with with things like synthesis it like opens up this whole new world you know and i think it's it's fun to be able to interact with people like matt who like really understand that and understand how to create sound with that yeah um and sort of just see how those two worlds can interact um, and come up with hopefully something new. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you nailed it on the head with that. I think that there's a plethora, I've said it multiple times, just a plethora of sounds to get out of both families. Um, mm-hmm. And so the the intersection of the two, I, I feel like can be overwhelming, but like Matt coming in with a clear plan and idea of like how you want to use the sounds, it definitely narrows the scope and then, you know, mm-hmm. just just focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. 
great. I just, the one last thing I kind of wanted to touch on because it is kind of a, um, it, it strikes me as a very visual experience along with an aural experience. Um, and we already talked about the symmetry of the performance, but um, w- visually what's, what's your take on it? Like how, how do you see it develop as an album throughout from like a visual standpoint? I don't know if you guys have thought about this. So I don't mean to like throw you in the spotlight, but um, I was starting to develop some ideas, especially with like the idea of bath imagery and like how the the shifting of the ocean floor can create these different swells throughout yeah yeah no it's it's a a good thing to think about you know it's it's interesting because we're 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 sort of thinking about it now um how is this piece visually going to like is it going to be visually um i guess linked with like the title you know because like Mm -hmm. i guess visually i think of like waves or or like just water in general you know like the different shape that water creates um so when we like when we play our instruments obviously there's like a visual component to that like you know the instruments like look a certain way and like we might be set up in a certain way um and i think that we're 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 currently trying to sort of like dissect a little bit like what that's going to be because we have this concert coming up in december Mm -hmm. um and i think that the the music, I think we're trying to like let the music sort of like help dictate a little bit like the experience that we or the visual experience that we want the audience to have. Right. Um, so like in one like um, like quiver, Johnny and I play these two kabasas. Yeah. And it's like it's we talked about how it's 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 been recorded. It's like really deep in the it's a big part of the mix. This little like chattery kabasa sound, you know, mm-hmm. it's like beautifully mic'd and beautifully produced. So it sounds really great. I think that we're trying to figure out, like, how can we bring that ex- that same experience to a concert hall? So like just the way we're set up in the physical space, like we are trying to maybe think about some options for creating like a real stereo effect sure um that is obviously like that's an oral experience but then i think visually it's kind of it could be really cool to have people really like spread out actually on the stage maybe for that movement and maybe it could work for other movements as well i think there are certainly movements where that would be a terrible idea (laughs) and we would want to be like in the middle of the stage playing together um, but I think like it's, it's cool because the music has like some flexibility to it, you know, with like between certain movements, I think certain movements can look and sound a certain way. That's very different from way, the way maybe some other movements might look and sound. Yeah. Um, I think we're, we're trying to just sort of be, be open to, to some different ideas for what that might be. Yeah, for sure.
I was I was thinking of one as we've sort of like unpacked the the sort of vibe of the piece in general sure. and like some certain things we're going for with the the live performance. Uh, it's it's fun for us in Sandbox because if you look at the album that we released, um, the last song I guess that we released yeah. before this one, this one comes out actually in just a few days, but uh, <laughs> the last one that we released, Seven Pillars by Andy Akiho, is a piece that we have been in very involved with the recording process of that over the past couple of years, and it has actually been kind of a similar process where things have been sort of built and created it through collaboration in-house, you know, um, mm -hmm. with us sort of recording in uh, different residencies, even in our in our studio. Um, so it has kind of come out, our, our more and more recordings are coming out of this like very sort of like in-house collaborative way. Cool. Uh, but Bathymetry is extremely different <laughs> yeah. than Seven Pillars, uh, this other album piece by Andy Akiho. Uh, which is a piece that we're playing a ton now uh, throughout our season and a piece that we really love. But um, it's a real high energy evening length uh, work in 11 movements. We're all featured as soloists as well. And it's really kind of like a big, uh, exciting, monumental piece. Um, and it's very contrasting from, from bathymetry. And I sure. feel like that is actually really exciting for, for us uh, because it gets to show another side of percussion that is um, that creates beauty in another way, you know, beauty in a way that maybe some people wouldn't think percussion instruments could could actually do. So I think that you know the fact that our instrument is sort of able to exist in both places in a very like hyper rhythmic, intense, driving evening length piece like Seven Pillars, sure. but then also like a really like meditative piece like Bathymetry. Yeah, I think that that's that's really uh, that's really fun, and to the fact that those albums are sort of back to back is kind of kind of exciting for us. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have to agree. I I became pretty familiar with Seven Pillars uh, just because I, as I started to learn about you guys, it came out. So um, it oh, is, cool. yeah, it's it's very contrasting compared to, um, but not but not like um, I think that there's a vibe that, and I can't like. <laughs> I can't put the right words to it um, at the moment, but there's there's something there's a through line between the two albums um, because when I heard um, the first album versus this one, I was uh, was like, yes, this is still the same ensemble doing it. Like I can, mm -hmm. there's a flavor to awesome. it, and I can't put my thumb on it exactly, but I I'm Good. feeling it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, if you yeah. come up with a good word for it, let us know because everyone's always asking us, you know, like. And because we're just like, oh, we can do a lot of different things. Like, just look at these two albums. But you know, <laughs> the the identity thing is always, you know, we're we're we feel good about. I mean, I feel like it comes down to just the way we like to collaborate and work sure. with composers, you know, and just take on the creative challenge of it all. And absolutely, yeah. but it's like I'm realizing more and more that I mean, yeah, technically we're a percussion quartet, but. Uh, in a way, I feel more like we're a, a quintet with like a rotating fifth member. Like that's whatever composer we're sure. playing at that moment. Yeah, um, that's cool. When I tell a random person about us, they're like, "Oh, do you write your own stuff?" And it's like, actually, we almost never write our own stuff. Yeah. A little bit we do, but yeah. Um, yeah. One of my favorite things is that we have this fifth entity at all, almost all times, a voice in the room shaping what we're doing, and and. I guess, you know, the other four of us are constant, but we find new things inside ourselves, I think, with each new collaboration. Well, as a composer, I can say it's it's so lovely to hear ensembles like willing to <laughs> bring one of us in and like actually have conversations about like what's going on, because sometimes it feels like that there's a little bit of a divide there. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that, that's phenomenal. And I, I think that's completely the right way to go about it because otherwise you're, you're, you're kind of, both sides are shooting themselves in the foot if you're not willing to, you know, kind of bridge that gap yeah. between what is, whatever it means to be like a composer or performer. But um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's great. That's, that's absolutely phenomenal to hear.
All right. That was the piece Refraction off of this new album by Sandbox Percussion. Go check it out. Go stream it. Go buy it on Bandcamp. They're actually coming out with some vinyl. I think that's mentioned in the interview. Um, And go support them. They're doing great stuff with collaborations with uh, composers and just... uh, we, we talked all about it in an interview. And hopefully you know a bit more about what bath imagery is now. I certainly kind of went down a Wikipedia rabbit hole when I found out what it was and learned more about the ocean floor. So that's fun. As always, uh, Relevant Tones is a product of Access Contemporary Music. Please find out more at acmusic.org. And we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks. Thank mm-hmm. you.